Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. But my way of thinking is that I want to help with causing less less pain, if that makes sense. But there's times that you have to go hard on a muscle, especially if athletes, they don't care. You know, they'll be like, yeah. like <laughs> they would be all macho saying, yeah, like I like a hard mass- a massage. But then you're in there and you're like, ah, get off me. You know? <laughs> Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. My guest today has been on multiple journeys. For example, he picked himself up after his athletic stream was crushed, he overcame and managed a significant speech impediment, and he finds joy, balance, and his passion in helping others achieve a pain-free life. James Davies, author of Body, is the founder and CEO of Rising Health, which he started 10 years ago, and his clients include a few people you may have heard of, David Beckham, Kylie Minogue, Philip Schofield, Mo Farah, among many others. He's worked globally with professional athletes ranging from Olympic champions, premiership footballers, NFL and rugby union players, as well as the odd A-list actor like Eva Mendes. I'm a fan. He is the sought-after therapist and even serves the Great Britain team at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games and at the 2019 Rugby World Cup. But rather than being trained as a physiotherapist like most practitioners who work for national teams are, James actually trained at the British School of Osteopathy. He studied massage and sports injuries at the London School of Massage, tea car therapy in Italy, Toxen in Chiang Mai, which is in Thailand, and is a noted authority on laser therapy, dry needling, acupuncture, and cupping. As a performance therapist and athletics coach, James is able to integrate a range of therapies, including massage, biomechanics, and functional and structural applications. He developed the ethos of relieve, restore, and perform based on his own personal experience as a young athlete and his experience working with elite athletes. This is a really cool episode for me to have. I love chatting with James. I learned a lot from his book, Body, that you can get in all good bookstores. I also learned about the language of pain, finding joy in movement, and how the majority of what we actually think might be structural is actually down to stress. And really what we want to do is go upstream and find balance and creating a stress-free life. I hope you really enjoy the episode. Remember, you can watch this episode on YouTube. And if you like subscribing... Subscribing to the YouTube channel is a great thing to do for free, as is the newsletter Eat, Listen, Read every single week. I send you recipes and something mindfully curated to help you have a healthier, happier week. And do check out the app. You can download it in the App Store and we have a range of recipes, almost 500 now, where you can filter them according to your personal health goals, whatever they might be. Thanks and enjoy this episode. Before we get started, here is a quick word from the people who make this podcast possible. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I wanted to start because because I love your book. I'm just I'm super impressed with it. I can I can so imagine like tons of people coming and messaging you and 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 telling you about how much this book has helped because the way it's laid out is beautiful you know you go through head to literally head to toe yeah. all the other sort of elements that an osteopath a, and, a, and a therapist would want to uh navigate uh given the time constraints that we tend to have like eating habits and uh, in, inflammation producing activities stress all, all those different wider elements that can certainly have a an impact on the physical manifestation of problems um but i wanted to start with how you started your book which is your your personal journey and you told this this beautiful story of like a little child with their nose pressed up against the tv screen watching Linford christie in the 92 Olympics. And I just thought it was such a touching image. So I, I wonder if you could tell us about your journey from, you know, having dreams of becoming an Olympic athlete to to, to now helping uh, athletes and, and a number of different people in different walks of life. It's so weird, right? Because during the time, you never think about what you've achieved. So doing a book, you're just like, wow, did I actually do this? Like, like, like it's been crazy. But Linford Christie was a hero of mine. Um, were you a big track and field fan back in the day? Uh, I, I remember like watching um, uh, Linford Christie's uh, the, the repeats because I was seven at the time. I think when he, yeah. uh, he he reached that gold medal, so I remember seeing like reruns of it, but not at the time. How old are you, by, by the way? How old? I'm uh, thirty-seven. I'm 36, so we're kind of similar ages. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Crazy, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's, um, <laughs> that's right. No, but seriously, watching Linford Christie, Barcelona winning their gold, I was like, that is my mission. I need to be an athlete. And at the time, I didn't know that I had a talent until um, it was a sports day. I was in year four, and my PE teacher said, oh, like, James, you, like this is really good. But only until I went to secondary school, because everyone wanted to be a football player um but but it was a thing where they were like well like you've got talent you need to take this seriously so i was i was just glued and i was just passionate and this is what i wanted to, to do but until the age of 16 years of age um that's when it all went bad because at that time looking at me and 
like if I was to go back in time, I would say, why are you not stretching this way? Why are you not doing this? So I, so I came up from the blocks and I tore a muscle in my quad. And when you tear a muscle, there are different types of tears. So you can have um, like a partial tear, a mid tear, a complete tear. And I had a complete tear of my muscle that was poorly massive, um, sorry, poorly managed. And, and that led to the muscle calcifying, which is very rare, but I was just unfortunate that that happened. So I had surgery on my quad and I don't think that I needed to have that, but I went down that route. And when I came, came back, there wasn't really that much help post-surgery. And every time I went back into training that I muscle will continue to tear. Um, and that was a shame, but it, it was the best thing that happened to me because it led me to the path of being an osteopath. Because I said to myself, I can't make it as an athlete and, and represent the country being the Great Britain team. So I'm going to be an osteopath and go to the Olympic Games. So I just had that tunnel vision. I just said, that I'm going to make this happen. And it happened, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And that's just a sign that anything's possible. Anything's possible if you put your mind to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and this sort of drive, you mentioned just there, like tunnel vision. I, I wonder if in part, this is an attitude that you developed from your, your parents. You mentioned you, your dad, I think, was an engineer and and sort of they were very hardworking sort of in terms of... Yeah, civil uh, engineer. Very hardworking sort of work ethic that you, in, in the household that you grew up in. Is that right? Is it innate or is it is it learned? I, I still don't know, but um, I really just admired how my parents worked very hard. So I'm the youngest of three boys. So so they came over to this country to get an education. So my mum is still a quantity sur- quantity surveyor. And my dad sadly passed away in 2016, but he was a civil engineer. So he was living in India um, doing the, the roads there. And I went over there and it was amazing. Amazing to see how he still worked hard. Um, so yeah, so growing up, I knew that there was pressure on me, but I loved that pressure. I loved that pressure because I wanted to make my parents proud. I wanted to do something where I can have a big impact and help as many people as possible. So I was lucky to find um, something that I would be passionate for, um, helping people to, to deal with their injuries or stresses in, in in their bodies, on their bodies. So, yeah. I wonder if we could like dive into a bit more about that transition between you wanting to become an athlete you realizing that that dream is not possible anymore and then going into helping uh people and 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 eventually becoming an osteopath and studying anatomy and physiology and all the rest of it because that that's not an easy transition for a lot of people to to make and uh, and i i imagine that would have taken a lot of soul searching for, for you well, I didn't realize at the time, but the wiser James now, um, when down times happen, it's an opportunity. So you can reassess where you're going and you can think, okay, like this is happening for a, a, a reason. Um, like fast forward in the future, this will, it, like my story is going to help somebody going through a terrible time. So, so I learned valuable lessons that talent isn't enough. Um, working with athletes now, you've got to have talent but you've got to have your parents take you to a practice or a family member or somebody that can uh, take you to a a practice. Then once you've got that, you've got to be lucky that you get picked, (laughs) you know? um, So, so there's loads of factors. That's what I'm trying to like get across, like make it 
to be a professional at anything. Um, but when I had that failure and that acknowledgement that I wasn't going to make it as an athlete, um, I was just doing trial and errors. I was like, I had a massive brainstorm in my mind. I was thinking, what can I do now? I still want to work in sports. I want to have a job that is active. So I didn't want to sit down at a desk and work hours. Um, so I was at college doing my A-levels at the time. So I was thinking, do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to be a physiotherapist? Do I want to be an osteopath? The reason why I chose to be an osteopath, because one of my my friend's mothers was an osteopath and she lent me a couple of books. And I was just thinking, oh, I kind of like the sound of this because it's an, a holistic approach. You look at um, the, the whole person rather than just treating one aspect of the body. Um, so that's what led me to think, oh, well, if I had this when I was injured, maybe this would have helped me out. But I also liked it when you finish university that you can go straight into setting up your own business. Um, so so I said, OK, yeah, I'm definitely doing this. This is going to work. Yeah, because you talk about how you, you set up when you were 23. And I was just reflecting back on my sort of um, uh, my time. I would have been 24 at the same time yeah. you, you were 23 setting up your own business. And when I, when I became a junior doctor. Which is tough, tough, uh, by the way. Yeah, yeah I had tough. the title of being... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> but but I like I I kind of feel a lot more privileged these days because like when I was twenty four and I was a junior doctor, I had a senior registrar above me, I had my consultant above that, I had all my other colleagues around me. You started out on your own, and you didn't have like tutors around you to ask questions. You you had to do everything and set up the business as well. So that must have been pretty tough. It was tough, and I was advised by my university or the tutors that London's going to be hard or Surrey, like you, you need to move up, up North because it's highly sat, saturated with not only osteopaths, physios, sports therapists. Um, but once again, I just had that determination. Maybe it was the athlete in me. I just knew that I could achieve something big. Um, yeah. So I, so I just said, well, I actually planned it in my second year. So my course was a four year course. So I came up with my business name, Rising Health, in my second year. I was thinking, okay, how am I going to get to the Olympics? Because at that time, it wasn't common for an osteopath to work for a sports team. It, it was dominated by physios. So I, I needed to like crack that way of thinking. Um, so, I, so I kind of set out a plan saying I'm going to do a lot of volunteering work. I'm going to try and learn on the job as well. <laughs> and... Um, and my biggest rule when I came out, I said to the athletes, if it's rubbish, let me know because I need to like, learn. So I just got dug in. I just dusted, dusted it, just did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's epic. Um, and, and like, you know, not only did you have to overcome that, but in your book, you talk about how, um, I was going to say you used to have a stammer, but you describe how you never really get rid of a stammer. You manage your stammer and you, you know, clearly you're, you're managing it very well now. I mean, what, what was the sort of, uh, what, what was the process for you in, in, in overcoming that? Do you know something? It's been a journey. So, so I've had loads of mini journeys, but like amazing journeys that I love to like share. And I'm honored to be on your podcast to like share this. Um, so there was a time I was in year two when I first thought or said that I'm not speaking well here. Like why, why am I reading and I can't get the words out? There were words that I couldn't even say, like switch. I couldn't say that. So that so I struggled with R and S words. 
And at the time, my parents didn't know what to do. I did see a speech, a speech therapist at the time. Um, and it was, it, it was still bad. It, it was still there. Um, but to, to answer your question, it just got better over time. I think the biggest thing that I had an issue with was the fear of stammering because my my stammer is a covert one. So the overt one is where, like you would just notice it instantly. But a covert one is like an iceberg. So you aren't seeing the avoidance of words. So so like in this conversation, I might say, okay, I can't say this word. So I'm going to think of a, a similar word that I can say in a sentence. So, t- so talking was a, like... An exhausting experience every single single time, but once again, going through this whole process of doing the book, I uh, I knew that I I had to go and do podcasts. I knew I had to go on radio, go on TV shows. So I actually went on a speech therapy course because I, I wanted to know more about why people like me would have a stammer because it's it's a form of disability that not that many people understand. Um, and over a year, I made so. So sorry, sorry, I met amazing people that knew exactly what I was going through because I think that was hard to just fully express what I'm going through because people would say, James, you are speaking fine. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, but for the first time in my life, I was able to find people that understood and I didn't have to justify or explain uh, why talking is hard every single time. So I was very good at hiding that I had a stammer, but I might have a bad day that I couldn't get any words out. So I am I'm really proud that I'm even doing this because the old James would have to be like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to be in the corner there, work hard. But I like every chance I had to do a public speaking, a pod, a podcast, I would not do it because I was worried that I would stammer. And um, now there was no fear. There was no, no fear. It is me. If I stammer, I stammer. But it, but it led me to be a patron of the charity. You know, so I, so um, like it's amazing when you put pressure on yourself to like write a book and other opportunities line up where you can help even more people that struggle that you, what you went through back in the day. So, yeah, that's my story, eh? That's amazing. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's it's my pleasure to have you on the pod and be part, be a very small part in that journey that you're you're going through, man. So yeah, no, it's a it's a massive privilege. I wonder if we could start uh, by talking about um, pain. Uh, I've spoken to, to a few people on the pod uh, on the past about pain, anesthetists, uh, people who take a holistic approach, uh, pain specialists. We had Deepak Ravindran on the pod a few months ago, um, and and obviously pain is a is a is a big part of uh, why people would come in and see you. Um, and, and I guess, you know, you have to explain and conceptualize pain for, for your patients so you can understand a bit more about where their sort of hindrances are, what the locale and the diagnosis is, as, also, as well as like how they can sort of like process pain and, and go through that, that, that journey. So wh- how do you explain pain to, to people and how do you explain how they should be monitoring it as a, as a means to monitor success and, and progress? So I think the biggest thing is that the person that's trying to express their pain, they are their expert of their own pain. And we need to show that respect to the people because there's, there's always the normal story that it's it's all in your head, that a scan has said that that there's no issues there. So surely what you're feeling doesn't, doesn't exist. 
So um, just how love is a language, pain is a language, and there's different layers, there's different characteristics to what pain is. Um, so in the book, and just in general, in, in private practice, I I listen to the patient. I like because people just want to be listened, but I actually educate them to why they are feeling pain. And like in my book, I do talk about the different types of pain. So I talk about nociceptive pain. I talk about neuropathic pain. I talk about emotional pain. Because even a couple of years ago, people didn't think there was such a thing as emotional pain. (laughs) But but, But it does exist and it has a massive impact on the body. So... In the book, I do teach people that you need to, to give a descriptive version of pain and be prepped. So if you're going to go and see a GP, go and see an osteopath, such as my, myself, you need to have different layers to your pain. So, for example, I, I tell them to use a pain scale. So I, I might say, okay, so my shoulder is a 2 out of 10 in my pain, in, in terms of pain, and it's a deep pain. It's not superficial, but it's deep, and it hurts when I move my arm up. You know, um, because loads of like the general public would just say, yeah, I've got pain in my shoulder and they just go and see somebody. And sometimes the medical person might not want to um, find out more about their pain. So they might just give them a general answer to the pain. So once you like give them different ways of explaining pain, that can can make the medical person a, a good problem solver and say, okay. Maybe it's only a muscle uh, pain because it only hurts when you try and move it. Or maybe, okay, if it's a constant pain and you turn your neck to the left and right, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe it's not only your shoulder, it's a muscle that links your neck to your shoulder. Um, so it, so, so pain needs to be um, talked about in a different way. So you can't be too simplistic about pain if you want to find out the correct diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that sort of, um, that, that analogy of, of, of pain being yeah, almost like, uh, pain being your friend. I think you, you say that in the book as well about how, like, you know, it's, it's actually a guiding principle. It should be, it's, it's something that rep- uh, reports to you that something's going wrong and that you need to do something about it. And, uh, and also it's a very, very common scenario where a scan is normal, the investigations are normal, uh, the, the blood works and everything is normal, but there's still pain. That doesn't necessarily mean that's automatically in your head, so to speak. There's definitely something that can be done about that. And I guess that that's probably um, the, the point in which many people come and see you. Am I, am I right in, in thinking that? Or, or is it a lot earlier along in someone's journey? Uh, both, both really. And that's why I love my job because you're trying to solve the case. And this is why I wrote a book again, because like when I worked heavily in in private practice, just in one room, seeing as many people as I could in a day, you only seen them in the room. So I actually like to go to their houses or like have evidence. So they, they, they might take a picture of how they sit down at a desk or like, it sounds creepy me say this, but getting their partner to take a picture of them sleeping in bed because you're kind of thinking, okay, oh, there's only like you, you've got a small pillow and you're sleeping on your side. So that's why you've got neck pain because your, your, your neck is constantly being activated. It's, it's contracting throughout the, the night. 
so that like we have we have sold the case here change your pillow and the neck pain will go away you know um so yeah it's just like it's it's never a general answer because everyone is unique of course there are principles that you really have to follow to like get um okay is it a nerve issue because you've lost power in your arm or it's feeling numb so that so there's that general side but it's finding out why and how you can get you out from this um pain because many people feel that that they they might go and see somebody and and that person says that there's nothing what we cannot do like this is it like this is you you're going to be with this pain for the rest of your life that might be true but there's a difference between managing pain as well as having a chance where you can take away the pain so once again it's the language how both of us tell our patients um in, and does does that language or that f- feedback in the correct manner can ease somebody and say that okay i'm at peace now i know exactly what's going on but most people don't know what's going on and that's what makes them even more stressed and they can be doing something that could be aggravating the pain so that's uh, that's my journey now that i want to help as many people to know how their bodies work and if they get a pain what they can do or to catch it quick so it doesn't linger um because that's a that's a common theme people might have a one out of pain sorry a one out of pain a one out of ten pain on their back and they're saying oh i'm too busy it's nothing serious then that pain slowly creeps up and then all of a sudden it's a nine out of ten they've got a disc pain and and they've got to take time off work and then they get 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 stressed oh no how can i take time off work because i've got to pay the bills so it just so it just got, gets worse and worse yeah yeah, it, it, it's certainly something that I see uh, fairly often as well, that that small pain that compounds and um, people tend not to present until a lot later on, by which time, you know, you could have made a lot more progress and prevented uh, a lot of issues down the line. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that myself. I, I've had pain. I'll be your, I'll be your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had uh, back pain since I was six. I used to be a, a keen tennis player. Uh, Whoa. At secondary school, yeah, I was. I loved uh, it. It was. I peed Sampras, yeah. No, no, no. Sampras. No, no. I'm not going to be one of your clients. Don't worry. Not, not, not at that level. <laughs> no, you got uh, me thinking. Uh, now you got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I had pain when I was uh, a, a kid. I think it was my serve was off. And it was just the way my, my body, uh, the flow and the, and the action stuff. And I never really fixed it. And I just sort of, you know, I was a teenager, quite strong-minded and, and, and probably a nightmare for my coach. Um, but I had to quit because of um, uh, persistent uh, pain. And I've, man- I've been able to manage my pain uh, for, for many years now. Um, and I know kind of what twinges it and all the rest of it. But, you know, had I paid a bit more attention uh, to it, you know, maybe I could have been the next Pete Sampras. Who knows? Hey. But uh, probably not. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, yeah, you never know. But um, I, I wonder if we could start with back pain, not not just for for my benefit, but uh, largely because you know it's the majority of of what you see. It's a, a large proportion of what primary care physicians see in the UK. And, and although you know you, we can't be specific in terms of the advice uh, that we can give, because everyone's uh, condition is going to be unique. Like just like you were saying, like a detective, you know, it could be down to the way you're sleeping. It could be down to your uh, your environment at work or how you're walking or your shoes and all the rest of it. Um, what are the sort of general principles um, that you feel people would benefit from when it comes to preventing back pain or even managing uh, back pain if it's chronic? So the pattern that I've seen is that we, we're doing too much in terms of sitting down. We aren't active anymore. Um, and, and that sounds weird saying too much of not doing nothing, but that inactivity just tenses our muscles and then that leads to our joints and our spine and that leads to the disc um so we have to try and be as active as possible because our ancestors up up above will be tutting and be thinking why are you not moving like because you you have to think that we we we've got our phones we are looking down and that has a massive effect not only on our necks but on our mid back and if our mid back gets tight our lower back gets tight um but you will laugh at me but <laughs> the, the, the reason why most people get lower back pain is because our bums are tight so if we loosen our bums it makes our lower back better and there is always a war between our hips not moving right if our hips are not moving right that that means that our lower back is going to get tight so it's, once again, it's that one out of 10 and we're slowly seizing up and then all of a sudden, bang, we are, we have got our, like, we are, we are too stiff and we can't move and we get, um, like the, like this coming out, pressing on a nerve. That's a common thing. There was, there are so many people because everyone uses this term and you will laugh at this as well. I'm sure that you've seen it. A slip disc. That term has been used so many times. Every time someone has pain, it's either they have sciatica. Or they have a slip disc, but not many people know that sciatica is really bad. It's one of the worst pains because you get that shooting pain down your leg. Not many people know that it's actually a nerve being pressed on. So they like they might have a muscle ache in the lower back, but they say, "Oh, I've got sciatica." I read on a Google article or I searched it, and it's definitely that. Um, so, so it goes back to that point that we need to educate people that it can, can maybe start off with a muscle type of tightness due to our posture throughout the day. And that can, like, if we don't attend to it, it will cause other structures within the back to lose their function. And if we don't attend to that, that would lead to serious injuries, being a disc, pressing on a nerve, and then going to see a doctor or a surgeon saying that you, you like, need to have some like your your disc out or to like have a surgery to take pressure off the nerve um but the most common thing to answer your question better posture postures the like big biggest things we are a nation where our posture is not good and we don't stretch because we we like say that we are too busy um so i'm praying if people are listening to this podcast or they read my book You've got to start to be active. You've got to start to stretch to make sure that your your posture is not bad. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So the, so there's three key things there that I, I've pulled out. So inactivity, so making sure that we're moving as regularly as possible. 
uh, you know, which is quite hard to do, I guess, for some people in certain work environments. But I think a lot more people are becoming a bit more knowledgeable about why they need to be moving. Would you say like once every hour or so, or like, uh, how would you put some meat on those bones? So everyone tries to um, place stretching or being active, like we're not what they do on a daily basis. Cause you're going to think our, so our ancestors will be out there hunting, moving around to like get the food or working. So, so I'm trying to tell people that you can multitask. So we're sitting down now. So, so, so I can be rubbing my hand or I can be placing my hand on the back of my neck as we're talking, or I can just get up all of a sudden and start to like stretch and then sit back down. So there's no like, so we shouldn't allocate time and say that, oh, for this hour, I am going to do 20 minutes because it, it might not happen because we're all busy. So it can just be, if you feel a slight tight, tightness, just stand up and stretch and then sit back down. So you can do that as many times within the day. So we actually should bring joy to do it because everyone sees it as a chore. Oh, no, I've got to do a stretch. I don't want to do it because I don't have time. But we have to bring, make it a habit where we where it actually makes us have a breather and we feel good about it and we're taking that time for ourselves because we only have one body and it needs nurturing you look at our phones our ipads our macbooks our laptops we give it an update when we can why don't we do that for our bodies and we can just have those mini updates it well it can even be like every minute we can do something but everyone's different so we have we have to go on a journey where it's fun and do a trial and error and say, okay, if I try and stretch out once an hour, because that's all I can do for this moment of time, is it actually going to make me concentrate better at work? Is it going to make me to iron more if I stay at home? I like ironing clothes. <laughs> Who likes ironing clothes? But that's a, a bad example. <laughs> you know. Um, so, so I want to take people on, on a journey to try and solve the case for themselves with the, the guidance f- from me and from anyone. Uh, that wants to help them absolutely and 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 i i think i i resonate with that a lot you know bringing joy to those movements and actually what it can bring you rather than it just being something that you have to do um uh, on on that note so uh tight buttocks so how, how do we loosen our bums <laughs> oh so there's many ways there's, there's many ways to loosen the bum <laughs> <laughs> so um there's a phone roller because many people don't know how to use a phone roller um, so many people punish themselves using it. So you don't need to put all your weight <laughs> through the phone roller because that's going to hurt. But I, but I often tell people that you can literally sit on the phone roller with one hand backwards. So you're putting all your weight on your hand and you're like taking your time to put the like, pressure that you want to put on the um, body to like loosen up the bum. Um, but even doing that on a daily basis is very, very, very good. There are so many gadgets out there. So you can have a massage gun. Massage guns work really, really well. So you can do it yourself or you can get a friend or a family member to help you out and do that. Or you can stretch. So there's simple stretches on a mat on the floor that you can do. So crossing one leg over the other if you're lying on your back. Um, it's very effective, simple, but effective. 
Yeah, yeah. That, I, yeah. I, I love my foam roller. I've got the foam roller with little spiky bits in it. Are, are there particular oh, nice. foam rollers that you think are better than others, or like just? Well, that tells like me really? a lot about you. If you like the <laughs> spikiness of it, yeah. That makes make, it makes me <laughs> think about things now. That, that that's you the a real deal. See, a tennis player. You like the spikiness on the <laughs> on the foam rollers. <laughs> um. It doesn't really matter, really. Like, like, um, so you, so you can have it hard or you can have it soft. Like, both of them will at work. It, it's, it's just making sure that you have have the like the even out of um, weight on you. So you, you have to make sure that you, you don't put all your weight on your bum because that that might hurt. So you use your hands. Um, is it making sense a bit? Yeah. So making, yeah, 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 definitely. So like when you when it, like it's almost like grading how much weight you can put on your buttocks when you're when you're exactly. using the foam roller for the first time because yeah. I, I got to the point now where i can almost put almost all my weight on it depending on like what exercise i've done that week yeah um but yeah i i, I find it listen like, i'm getting cool. excited i'm getting excited now we we have to make you a tennis player now <laughs> well i'm i am not good at tennis i can't serve to like save my life but but i've got a good backhand so uh so we we, we definitely have to give it a go <laughs> but it, sure. yeah, definitely. but it but it gets to that point that it's it's trial and errors. So you can try a hard foam roller, and you can try one with like having spikes on it. <laughs> but um, but it's finding what works for yourself because it like because I don't want to give people a concrete plan because it'd be like oh it's like being back at school like I like there's no way that I can do this every single day. So like it's first of all. T- telling yourself to not be hard on yourself that you have to do something that works for like you because that's what living's about yeah you have to do like of course it's good to like eat well to like move around do all these healthy things but it has to be a sustainable thing that works for like you because everyone's different because you might have a stressful job and like if if you're doing something that might work for like someone else it might not work for, for like you you know um so hopefully in the book, I'm telling people that, that I've got that across <laughs> very well. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and posture. So posture is really important. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Particularly, you know, certain uh, d- different people wear different kinds of shoes. Uh, they, they hold themselves in a different way. They have different uh, muscle architecture. Some people have bulkier backs. Some people have like smaller chests. You know, there's a, there's going to be a massive variety in terms of like how people's posture is at the start. Like, what what are the general principles that you sort of talk to your clients about with regards to maintaining good posture? And what it, what even is good posture? That's another thing. Again, it's like we're all different in our own ways. Um, so I was very fortunate that I've been around so many amazing athletes. I didn't actually treat Usain Bolt, but I was around his therapist and I did help um, give them wisdom if they needed it. <laughs> but um, Usain Bolt had um, one hip higher than that other, so that pelvises were out of sync. And for many years, this is through speaking to his agent, speaking to him and speaking to the like, therapist, there were so many therapists that tried to like, change that. But his function was to run fast needs to, to like run a fast from A to like B and, and, and like get all of the world records, of course. Um, so it's about functionally working instead of trying to change everything because that can make people to get even more injured and to be in pain. 
So like, there's not a perfect specimen out there if that makes makes sense. So it's about finding out what works for us, you know, rather than just saying that it's a textbook answer every single time. So you're going to mix the science, the anatomy, all of the stuff that we have learned from university with the art and common sense. If, if that makes sense. <laughs> and that rhymed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, it, it, it definitely does. Yeah, absolutely. And so how do you assess someone's posture when, when they, when they come for the first time? Cause I, I guess, you know, if you're treating someone like Usain Bolt, he's got a clear motive to, to maintain sort of a speed. And, and that means that, you know, his posture is going to be very different, but perhaps for the, for the average person that isn't an athlete, or doesn't have aspirations to, you know, perform a particular movement fast. What what are the general things that could keep us in in, in better uh, physical health? So it's that Sherlock Holmes hat on again. So when I first meet a patient, I'm assessing them already. I'm seeing the way how they speak because many people are guarded. It, it might be a confidence issue, so so they they don't want to look up and be proud. They they want to keep their chin down because they don't want to get eye contact at first like if you don't know that person people might be shy so so it's the 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 first contact or the first impressions i'm looking at okay how is the gait when they walk um when they shake the hands like are the shoulders rolled in so it's so it's all that but as an osteopath i'm sure it's the same thing with you i would assess the like back through view the front view and the and the side aspect so I'm trying to see if the rolled, if the shoulders are rolled in, because that's a common thing. People are looking down at their phones, so they form that posture of the, of the shoulders rolled in. And not that many people under, don't understand that that can cause problems with our organs. So when I say problems, it's not going to show up on a scan or a test, but you're, you're, you are going to start to be an upper rib breather, so you're not going to be using your diaphragm. Because many people, like we have stress, Many people are upper rib breathers or they're, they are using, because many people do not know that there are muscles here at the front of your neck that help you to like, breathe. But they are secondary muscles to the main muscle being the diaphragm. And the diaphragm, if you look at the bird's eye view of a diaphragm, there are holes for your main vein and your main um, artery. So if that's tense because it's not being used, it can affect how the blood moves from the upper part of your body to the lower part of your body. So um, posture it's not only the the muscle side or the joints joint side it's like it's 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 going back to that point that we are one as a body so it's it's going to affect other structures in the body if that makes sense so the so so the the, the general thing is that i try and educate people to try and open up their chest and get everything functionally moving well and i think that's the job as of an osteopath is assisting through touch and changing things in one's life to optimize the systems in your body. And I think that's what's quite unique about um, osteopathy and other uh, holistic practitioners. You're not just looking at the mechanics of the body. You're also asking questions about and observing what other elements it could be having an impact on. And what you just eloquently described there about how it can impact other organs, your abdomen, the way in which you breathe, this can have tangible impacts on things like blood pressure, stress levels, your digestive system, you know, whether you're bloated, constipated, everything is connected within this. And I'm sure, you know, you've probably had instances where 
you have done things to correct someone's posture, which has had an impact on their stress levels, which has probably had an impact on uh, whatever abdominal complaints that perhaps, you know, that they weren't aware were, were connected. You are so right. And that makes you a, a good doctor. I haven't seen you in person to like get get advice, but you just, just know that you know what, what you're doing and, and, and you've got an open mind. You know, um, I just feel that s- stress is a silent killer. And it, it makes me very sad because many people do not see it. And it goes back to that point again. It can creep up on you. And you will think that I'm crazy, but I do ice baths every day. I do saunas. Like I have changed my way of thinking that if I work hard, I need to have a reset every single day. And everyone needs it. So everyone puts so much stress. And stress is good, just like pain. It's, it's there for a reason because it gets us to do things. But too much of it, too too much of good stress is bad. Too much of bad stress is a is of course bad. So so we need to to have something that balances us out because if, if if we're in too much fight and flight in the day, it can affect us in terms of it might make us bloated. It might um, cause us to have diabetes along the line, high blood pressure, all these things. Of course, I'm I'm not saying that's the the main reason why, but it can be a factor that can lead to that point. Um, so we need to take care of ourselves. We don't need to take a step backwards and realize what's really important. And of course, times are hard. There's so much worries out there, but 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 we can spare time on ourselves. Like even yeah. if it's just yeah, yeah. thirty seconds, going outside, looking at the stars, having a glass of water, be like, wow, you know, that's a, a reset. <laughs> anyway, it sounds it sounds a bit hippie. But, but but it's a reset. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm totally about it. Like, like I have a, yeah. a, a routine in the morning. Um, I, I wake up pretty early. You know, I, I meditate. I make sure I do my formal meditation. But then I also go outside, expose myself to light. I'll have my coffee outside. Um, and I try to remove all sort of distractions. So my phone's not with me. I don't have my AirPods in. I'm just sort of immersing myself in boredom. Um, because I think we need boredom as a stimuli for creative energy. Um, because it's like shower thoughts. The reason why you have thoughts in the shower is because you're doing a mundane activity and your brain switched off. But actually what's happening is you're tapping into that creative side of your brain that is really, really important. And we're losing it because we're constantly being you know, entertained or we're constantly consuming or we're constantly working. So I, I, I totally agree with you. Even if it is for 30 to 60 seconds a day, you should immerse yourself in something that makes you happy. Is that a cold shower or a warm shower or a hot shower? <laughs> so, so, uh, that is the question. I, I've done, yeah, I've I've done ice yeah. baths in the in the past, right? Um, I, I've done it yeah. probably three, four times. But I I feel for for me, ice baths. Yeah. Uh, I feel fantastic for the rest of the day, but a day yeah. two or day three. I have almost like a slump in my yeah. uh, cortisol levels and I, I get uh, ill. I, so I started with a fever Bless you. and that's, hap- really? that's happened every time with me. But I do stress myself the opposite way. So I love sauna, absolutely love sauna. Try and go for that as much as possible. I can do a cold shower, but a cold bath for me, it, it, like I, I, I will probably try it again at some point, but uh, for my experience hasn't been as positive as people, which is annoying because I, I love the feeling of an ice bath afterwards. It's amazing. 
but the thing is, even you saying that, you've you've done trial and error, and you found something that works for you. So, so you've got a system that gets you right, that gets you fully operating, and that's good to hear. When you see a, a patient for the, for the first time. And, you know, you're taking history, you're asking them about pain, you're asking the the sort of qualifying questions about the nature of the pain, the chronicity, you know, uh, all the other elements. Are you also asking them about things like their bowel habits? Uh, Are you observing how they breathe? Are you, you know, looking at like what what kind of shoes they're wearing or like how they're holding? Are you looking at those kind of things as well? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at everything now because I'm, I'm a completely different therapist to when I first went out into the real world. Um, so I, so I'm limited in how many people I see and I actually go to people's houses. So I'm not in the rush, you know, I'm, I'm there and we're sitting down, we're talking about what they want to achieve with this, but it's so sad that many people think for that it's normal to feel sluggish or to feel tight because, because for like, as a nation, again, that's a norm. So, so it's not only dealing with their issues. I'm trying to see why this has occurred, and making sure that there's um, a prevention element into the treatment. So they 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 leave there having some answers to why they were in pain, being educated that I've helped them to relieve them of their pain. But most importantly, like, and this is a common thing: patients will like say, "Oh, I didn't know that I had knee pain, or it, it, it was tight there." And, does that mean that, that that's linked to me having a quad issue or a low back I- issue? So that so so they've started that journey, and then I might get a text later saying, "Oh, I've I've just done this, and it's made this better." Like you were definitely right. This is this is the main reason why I was having pain. And then I I will I would go around their house, and they and they will sit down where they normally sit down, and I just assess and see okay like this is good but this is bad you know so so it's so it's everything it's everything um and i like so how i first started out i would um, normally see someone for like 40 minutes to an hour but i don't look at the time so there's times that i might be with someone for three or four hours you know (laughs) because i'm looking at everything so it might be like like a long session but i like leave there and they're satisfied and they're like saying wow you actually emphasized with me on what I was going through you know and I'm better off now thank you very much you know that's what gives me a kick like to like get up in the morning because I'm going to help someone out um, but I wish wish I could help more people but I need to have a balance in my life so I'm taking my advice yeah. having a family uh, being married also oh hold on you got married a couple of weeks ago Right. I did. Yeah, yeah. I got married very Con- recently. Yeah, yeah. Literally like Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Um... Thanks so much. I appreciate <laughs> that, man. <laughs> oh, no. Starting that journey myself. Yeah, I've been, I've been married for 10 years now. 10 years. <laughs> I don't know how it's happened. <laughs> Congrats. That's awesome. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's fab. Yeah. So um, I, I guess from the to the listener's point of view, let's say, you know, I, I'm in my late 30s going to 40s and stuff. I want to maintain sort of the vitality, the sort of structure of my body. I want to make sure my joints are supple. 
you know, I want to do all these things. I might do a bit of sauna. I might do a bit of ice bathing. I, I work out regularly. What are the other sort of um, tools I should really be thinking about to maintain the suppleness of my joints to make sure that I'm going to be active and pain-free in my 70s, 80s, 90s? Because, you know, very much like cardiovascular disease, we need to be thinking about prevention, like at this time in our lives right now. So what, what are the kind of things that you think we should be thinking about in terms of specific exercises that we should, we, we should, we should really have in our toolbox? Um, so first of all, it goes up to the point that we shouldn't be hard on ourselves. Like a little bit of something on a daily basis is more effective than punishing ourselves in a gym for an hour, you know, because like, I'll tell you this, the top athletes in the world that are good at the crafts as, as they age, it's all about the recovery. It's all about the recovery uh, because everyone has talent at one stage, but it's how somebody feels fresh in competing and it's the mindset. So as I said, we have, we have talked about joy. It's simply down to living each day as it goes, listening to our body, because as we age, we are wiser, <laughs> or hopefully we are. Um, so it's spending our time, make, having common sense. So some of these Olympic athletes that won gold, gold medals and things, the reason why they were good and, and they had longevity is th they might wake up in the morning and be like, something doesn't feel right in my body, so I'm not going to do the hard session that was planned i'm i am going to wait a couple of days and then i'll do it then so that's smart training so i think that's the the, the message that i want to get across train smart it's not about like having a hard session and then feeling the, the pain afterwards because we are always changing um but it's having a good network of people around us i think that's another factor as well so one of them is joel wick so so i'm very good at doing the recovery and making time for myself, but I need to get into the gym because as an athlete, going back to what I said, I was that person that was like, I'm going to punch myself in the gym. I'm going to do a hard workout. If it's just a soft workout, it's not going to be effective, you know, but Joe, just that, as he tells the nation is doing a little, little bit every day is key. It's, it's, it's the consistency because you're not doing it to only lose weight. You're doing it to lift your mood and to feel good. And it goes up to that point again, it shouldn't be a chore. We, we should want to like do it, you know? So like taking my advice, which I'm doing there now. So I used to love playing basketball. So I actually went to Norway to like see my brother and I would play basketball with him for years. And we were playing basketball for an hour and it didn't seem like an hour because it was fun. It was joy. And I was moving things. I was listening to my body. Um, so I, so I feel that we need to kind of think of an activity that we used to do when we were young and we don't, didn't, don't, sorry, we don't, don't need to do it at the intensity that we used to like do it. But if we just go through the motions of doing the drills, kind of like you with the tennis, like, so you can play some form of tennis, but you have to just know your capabilities, your limitations, and then slowly get to that stage of playing tennis again to that level that, that, that she once did. Cause, because I, have that mindset as a therapist that I want to get people doing things that they think that they cannot do. Kind of like me talking. I thought that I would never be able to, honestly, ever to go and do a public speaking or go on national TV and talk, you know. But I'm living proof that it's possible. Um, yeah, so it's just, that's, that's basically 
finding something that that works for you, but doing small dosages of it. I, I think that as we age, we like need to do dosages rather than just trying to do a marathon without having that gradual build up of exercises of those runs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's super sound advice. And, um, you know, what, w- one of the things I find uh, interesting about the book was, um, sleeping positions, uh, cause yeah. my, my partner <laughs> always, uh, comments on how weird my sleeping position is. So I, I sleep on my back, but I actually don't use a pillow because I find that like, if I use any pillow, even a shallow pillow, it kind of like just pushes my neck a bit too forward. And I prefer like a sort of neutral position. Is that, am I putting myself at risk for a neck injury if I'm not using a pillow or? So sleeping, the sleeping topic is such a (laughs) hard topic, just like pain. So because you can delve into many ways, but my way of fixing it, that would always work. I always tell, because I want you to like do this, I always tell people to take a picture. Take a picture of how you actually sleep because people always say, what is the best pillow? What is the best mattress? What is the best time to like, sleep? But we're all different. But if you take a picture of you not having a pillow on your back, then I can see how your spine is sitting, how your neck is, well, I can give you a better answer. So that's that's better doing that than giving a general answer. Because over the years, we're all different and unique in our own ways. So something that might work for you might not work for me, you know. Because like, and it's never a textbook answer, you know. Because I, I, I know that my methods, even in the general terms that I put in the book, many therapists might not agree with what I put down. But this is what I've seen over the years. Um, but as I said, it's a complex case because we're different. Like, like um, you might be sitting down eight hours a day and then you want to go to that bed. And, and, and that's why it might be different that you on your back um, with no pillow will work only for you because no one is Dr. Rupi. Yeah. Only you are. You know? <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to so, tell my partner that. No, you're not Dr. Yeah. Rupi. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works for me. I'm Dr. Rupi. Yeah. <laughs> but i want that picture i want that picture so i yeah, can see yeah. i'll send you that picture for sure i'll definitely send it to you you can you can but critique. not in a creepy way sorry if i'm no. coming across creepy <laughs> it's, all good. it's all good um you also talk a bit about therapies in uh in in the book uh you know certain therapies that you you, you entertain a bit more of and stuff and it's a big range of things everything from acupuncture acupressure cupping dry needling there's obviously the the self massage as well what 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 kind of techniques do you sort of lean toward uh and and others that you think are perhaps you know then they're not as useful uh but they might have some sort of benefit for the specific patient see this is why i love my job because i have a toolkit of different uh, skills so i'm not a finished article i am experienced therapist and I've learned things over the years and I was very fortunate to travel across the whole world for example I went to Thailand where I learned um, to use bamboo cupping um, to like use toxin so it's just basically hammer therapy so you're hammering different acupressure points so I've got all these tools but I, but the, the first tool that I use is my hands because I assess so it's a di- diagnostic tool as I'm treating I'm sensing okay Okay, you're you're tight in this muscle, or someone might might be very sensitive to that touch. So I might put acupuncture needles in, 
for a couple of minutes, take it out and then use my hands again. And then the patient might notice, oh, it's feeling a lot better. Isn't that crazy how these needles work, you know? So it's, um, so having these tools, but knowing when to like, use it. So it's the dosage of the therapy. And massage in itself is an art. Uh, there are different ways how to massage somebody. Um, but just the power of touch, the power of touch. When you place your hands on someone and someone is nervous, placing your hands on them, you have to give them comfort and like tell them that these hands you you can trust, that I'm here to like, help. Because even that, because can you imagine if I'm grabbing your neck and I'll start shaking? You're going to naturally tense up. You're going to be thinking, who is this guy? He's like, is he conf- confident? So you need their confidence for your hands. And they're emphasizing that I'm here to help. I, I understand. I think that's that's the number one tool. But the world of therapy is amazing. And like, I, I'm i looking forward to the next couple of years because I, I want to learn more. I want to learn more because there's different ways to help. But my way of thinking is that I want to help with causing less less pain, if that makes sense. But there's times that you have to go hard on a muscle, especially with athletes. They don't care. You know, they'll be like, yeah. like <laughs> they'll be all macho saying, yeah, like I like a hard ma- massage. And then you're in there and you're like, ah, get off me. You know? <laughs> no, so, so, so it's finding that dosage of knowing when to like go hard and when to be light. Um, but there's times like I'm sure that you must have gone to a spa and then someone's like literally tickling you like a feather. And you're thinking, <laughs> is, is this actually helping? You know, um, but, but but that's a form of therapy. Or you might get someone that's got hard elbows going in. I'm going to cause pain. But, uh, but uh, what I'm trying to get across is that when you place your hands as a therapist, you need to understand the, the right amount of pressure you like, need for that person. Because someone might be sensitive, so you need to know what tools to like, use at, at that time. And that's the beauty of my, my job. It's never the same way of treating, even for the same person. There might be a different approach, especially for like, players. So uh, like a Pete Sampras player, for, for, for example, if they've got the Wimbledon final, you aren't going to be going hard on them. You know? <laughs> like you are, you are going to be working with the muscles, activating and getting them ready for them to like win that title. But if they've had a hard training session and they've got a couple of days off, maybe that's that's time to like let let loose going hard because you know that they're going to recover in time for their next session in a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, that, that make, yeah. It, 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 it's interesting. I, I think even like the the touch and the confidence of a therapist um can be healing in itself. You, you know, Definitely. like I, I I've had a a friend of mine, Dr. David Hamilton, he talks a lot about complementary therapies, things like Reiki, and explains them through the lens of, of science. And um, he's, uh, yeah, he's really convinced me on the on the benefits of all these different practices. Um, and it does, it, you know, it can't just be measured by the pressure that you're putting down on the person. It can, you know, th- there's other benefits to it as well. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, like, you know, if you look at the arc of your c- career. Um, over the last 15 uh, years or so, you know, you've reached so many highs, like, you know, you've got your book out now. I'm sure it's going to be an incredible resource for a lot of people. You've treated athletes, people who you've looked up to, 
you know, actresses. I mean, you've got Kylie Minogue, Eva Mendes, uh, obviously David Beckham, all these people. Like for you, what 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 is next uh, aside from like learning more practices and, and techniques? Like where would you like to see your career going in the future? That's a very good, deep question, you know. Um, I've I've basically hit loads of Mount Everest's, like going to the Olympics. That was that was the one, you know. So I thought that I would get that when I was in my my late forties, but I got it under thirty. And I was just thinking, wow, I was addicted to making this happen, and it happened. And then you kind of have like a brain fog. You're thinking, what is next? You know, like like I've uh, ticked this off the box. I've met my hero, Limpa Christie. He was my roomie for a month because of training camps. I'm thinking, wow, I've, 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 I've done it. What, what can be next? Um, and I think it's, it, it goes to that point of balance. So it's a balance of having a life. So I'm, I'm passionate for my job, but, but I need to have joy in my life. And I really, and it's not being selfish because many people will assume that that's being selfish to spend time with yourself and only thinking about you. But I've learned that when you take time for yourself and kind of do a self-reflection of what you've achieved, that's when you have the light bulb moments. And that's what led to me being in an ice bath. I was able to, to have that light bulb moment saying, I must write a book. I don't know how I'm going to do it, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm going to do it. So it's that tunnel vision again. That that addiction that I'm going to do all I can to make this happen, and it happens. But to answer your question even more, I I just want to help more people out because that's more important. Because I saw a pattern in private practice is that everyone works so hard all their life to pay a mortgage for a house, and they're saying when I reach the age of retirement, that's when I'm going to have joy. That's when I'm going to travel the world or do anything that they they love doing when when they were young and it's really sad that they they eat sorry they reach that age of retirement and that's when they get ill because if it's that silent killer of stress or that or that one out of ten that's now a nine out of ten and like they have in their head that it's irreversible that life is over and that leads to depression or that leads to other um, things going wrong in their life so I want to be that person that would always talk for the rest of my life that start now don't be hard on yourself do something for like you because that's what life's about because if you do something for you it will actually make you better at all of the other things that you want to be better at in your life so i so i want people to take a step backwards and think about them more i think that's that's my calling now because i've honestly achieved everything i set out to like do as an osteopath and i'm very great grateful i'm very grateful for that doing that if i told myself when i was 16 years of age when i knew that i wasn't going to be a athlete that i would treat so many amazing people travel the world and to be an author a sunday times bestseller like i i would be laughing at you you know um like it's just nuts but but it just goes back to having good people around you and kind of protecting your energy. I think energy is one of the biggest things. We like need to have an update every day so we can recharge and just, just live in the moment. I, I think many people are not living in the moment, in the present time. 
And when you do that, you wake up from that deep sleep. We don't become zombies anymore. Because have you noticed, like, because I've had that at times, that we're, we are too busy and we're like zombies. We aren't thinking straight. We're like, Ooh. like, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to go to that work. Oh, no, like, I don't have time to like, do this because I'm going to go to that sleep. So it's getting that balance and not being hard on herself, taking breaks, even if it's just a minute break. At least it's a break. Something's better than nothing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. so I want to tell this to as many people as possible. I think it's it's such an important topic, and I'm really glad that a, a lot of what we've talked about really comes back down to that finding balance in your life. I, I, I did something very interesting last week. I, I took myself away from my schedule for two days straight, and I took myself to a random cabin in the middle of Norfolk in this forest, and it was like beautiful lush forest there was no wi-fi no mobile phones no i wasn't listening to anything i wasn't reading anything i was literally just there in my thoughts and i did a couple of walks and that was about it um and that clarity i mean it was a very you know uh privileged position for me to be in to 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 even be able to do that for two days and just completely switch off but that immersion in nothingness was like super super um, beneficial for me and unlocked a lot of thoughts. Uh, and so I, th- I want to lean into that as much as possible, even in short snippets, uh, every day for 60 seconds, like you're saying, even if it's just for 60 seconds, I think, you know, it's achievable for a lot of people. So, um, that's, a that's, that's a wonderful sort of, um, uh, way to, to sort of give people some hope on how they can feel better physically as well. That's a natural thing. Like, like it's so crazy that we think it's natural to have a phone in our hands or to like have loads of screen time during the day or to like be in a car in rush hour. Russians like get back home, always on a rush. Everyone like it's a norm now. And it's really sad. Like, like I'm sure thousands of thousands of years ago, people were doing this, like uh, just admiring the, the nature, you know, that that's normal and we need to do it more yeah yeah i i completely agree i was going to ask a cheeky question so uh if you could treat uh any other person any person that you admire to today who who i mean you've got a huge <laughs> list already but who who, who who's Ooh. left on the on the hit list who's who's top of the hit list man you're answering the right questions man asking the right <laughs> questions uh oh man oh, i don't know so there's so there's people who I can't tell the world who I see, uh, which I would love to, but I, I, I can't. And you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. Um, do you know? I don't know. That's like, you have stunned me with a good question. Um, <laughs> i tell you something. So I've, so I've done most of the American sports, but I haven't treated mm. an NBA player. So I've treated oh. NFL players and of course track and field players. I oh, said track yeah. and field players, track and field athletes, but I've not, never actually treated an NBA player. I think that, that would be good because I'm a massive basketball fan. Oh, and I haven't even done a tennis player. I done a tennis player. <laughs> Whoa, oh, hold on, hold on. I must treat you now so I can tick that off the box. <laughs> yes. Um but the new joy in my life is treating film stars like action films and things like so I've so I've done some DC films and Marvel films and I'm a big I love all that stuff. Are you like an action hero fan? 
Uh, I, I, I've definitely watched Marvel. Uh, I, I would say I'm not like, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to reel off all the characters from the DC Marvel uh, yeah. worlds and stuff like, you know, Green Lantern and all the yeah. rest of it. But I know the main characters oh, yeah, yeah. and that. I do enjoy yeah. those, yeah. What's your thing then? Are you a Star Wars guy or a Trekkie? You know what? I, I, yeah. I'm into sort of, um, uh, I, I'm into like uh, documentaries. Like I, I love wow. like, and, sh- and short films, short films. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the, 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 the one that I watched recently was um, uh, one on the GameStop saga. So there was a, an arbitrage. Yeah. Of, uh, retail yeah. Investors. Did you see that? It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. It was, I haven't I seen it, but I would love to watch that. Yeah. Brilliant. It's really, um, really good. I'm learning about what's that documentary? So I, so there was a one Quince, Quincy Jones one. I watched that so many times. I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen that. The I haven't Jones. seen that one. No, no, I watched that documentary. That was amazing. But there's one with Dr. Dre. Like my memory's bad. There's one with Dr. Dre. Oh, um, and um, it's, the uh, other I guy. The one you mean, and Jimmy Iovine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 man, yeah, yeah. That, that, that gets me. Doco. Amazing. That gets me every time. I'm thinking, wow, I'm so inspired. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I've got this energy. I want to achieve something <laughs> big, you know. <laughs> But the most recent one I watched, I'm not sure if you're a football fan, but I watched um, the Lewis Vigo um, oh, documentary. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's crazy because he was a Barcelona player. Yeah, And he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid. Man. I remember watching that match live. I remember watching oh, it when they were man. throwing like, bottles at him yeah. live and they had to pause yeah. the... Uh, yeah, that was a, a mad football game. Yeah, but I knew that he was a, a great player because I remember in Euro 2000 when he scored that amazing goal against England, but, but, I, did, but I didn't know that he won the Ballon d'Or. Oh, I didn't That year, that. it was amazing. Yeah, he was oh. he, he was the best player on the planet at that moment of time. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I, so I like all those documentaries. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I um. On on the note about M- NBA players, you know it's interesting that you you haven't uh, ventured down that route just yet. I'm sure it will happen, and it will uh, you'll manifest it for sure. But I remember reading uh, or hearing about a quote from LeBron James about how he spends a million dollars on his body every single year, and that unlocked a lot of things for other NBA players. Were like, hold on. The, the world's best player is spending this amount of money on his body. I'm not spending anywhere near that amount on my body. Maybe I should be investing that much in, in my self-care as well. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that hyper recovery and, and you know, that sort of like maintenance of someone's career through um, uh, looking after themselves physically and, and mentally a lot more. Yep. So that'll be interesting. But it has happened now. It, it, it has happened now because I've gone from treating a team of players to be so selective in who I see now because so I still have that winning mentality to be part of a team so there's a couple of premiership players because things are changing now even in the the last one or two years premiership players are buying an ice bath in their house they're buying a sauna like um like they've got a chirotherapy chamber in their houses and they're hiring someone such as myself that I would see them once or twice a week um so things are slowly changing in a way because people there's a buzz about health now and people are investing because like it was unheard of many years ago for people to invest in their own health but people are doing that more now so so i'm really happy really happy about that absolutely 
Absolutely. You know, I, I think yep. there's definitely going to be a revolution, even though, I mean, we, we've got to be sort of cognizant of the fact that there is a cost of living crisis and t- things are tough and people, you know, are struggling to afford uh, even healthy food. But in in light of this, I think instead of st- spending money on technology and all these other sort of entertainment um uh, elements within the house, like a, a amazing TV and furniture and all the rest of it, I think people are going to be looking a lot more inwards and in how they can invest in their health. And even if it is like investing in a beautiful book like those and actually putting those things into action or like a massage gun or some of the other sort of uh, gadgets you can have to improve your your well-being at home and, and physically as well, I think that's definitely going to be a, a trend um, that, that's going to persist. And, and actually on that well, I think that's too, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, you are you are definitely right because to look after yourself, you don't need to splash the cash, you know. And I do understand that people are going through a hard, hard time, and so so I think of things that they can do that doesn't cost money. So I, I do tell people that buy a massage table or use a bed in your house and start treating each other, you know, because that's free and you can get that on tap if both parties agree, <laughs> you know. Um, like so there's different ways or you can be like this is the quiet area in the house i'm going to go and meditate and when i when when we talk about meditation you don't need to crush your legs and start humming you know even though humming has loads of qualities that's another topic that i talk about another time but um there were like you can sit in silence or somewhere in your house and that can be your quiet space and that can be so so effective so um yeah, I just want to get that across that you don't need to spend money to have a relaxation or something effective that can promote your health and wellness. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like those tips actually in the book about how you can do self-massage, whether it's your hands, your shoulders, your necks. You know, I, I'm actually, I've actually got impingement right now. I've, I've had impingement for the last couple of months and stuff. It's getting oh, better. Boy. Some exercise and stuff, but like, it's very painful. Yeah. But, you know, even just like the, the massage I do, uh, you know, a couple of times a day has definitely been helpful. Yeah. And I haven't actually, I need to see a therapist. So I might have to uh, hit you up. Oh, boy. <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah. I'm getting excited. Okay. Another athlete on the list needs getting ready to full time tennis. <laughs> Get, need need to sort out that that shoulder impingement. Need need to throw him in in the ice bath in the for, ice bath. for uh, seven days seven days a week. <laughs> oh dear! Fantastic. Listen, James, this has been so so helpful, and uh, it's been a pleasure to chat that uh, chat with you and, and sit down. We'll have to do this in person at some point in the future as well. Hundred um, percent, be great. And uh, you should show me some of the, the techniques uh, to, to loosen the buttocks uh, and improve my posture. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is the spiky, the spiky foam roller. And the spiky foam <laughs> roller, exactly. Oh, man. Thank you so much, James. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode with James Davies. Remember, you can watch this on YouTube. You can find out the show notes and the book body is in all good bookstores. Go check it out. Thanks, guys. And I'll see you here next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 